You ever um, <clears throat> just kind of start driving? You don't really know where you're going. You just figure you'll take a drive and see what happens. And before you know it, you're like in East Houston, Idaho, and General Zod and his cronies are there. Yeah, that's this. As I look west into East Houston, Idaho, I am met with carnage. Uh, these men have come out of nowhere. I forget everything. I just remember as I look west, and he kind of looks at the sun, as I look um, west into East Houston, Idaho, and uh, then here he, comes Zon. He's struggling, man. What's he's that? struggling big time. Yeah, well, I mean, you would, yeah, you know, it's like, and of course, I haven't seen the likes of this since Superman. Who is this Superman. Come to me, Superman, near before Zod. Ladies and gentlemen, you've already heard him because he's talking without being introduced, So, um, which is a good run-in move. Yeah, what's not a good run-in move is when someone's talking and all of a sudden the music starts. <laughs> then you're like, oh, this must have been a planned run-in. That's from back in the Mark Out Loud days. Ladies and gentlemen... I forget how I ever introduced him back in the day. I think I always try to think of some of the craziest things ever. But this is a man who apparently worked on and gave his blood, sweat, and tears to uh, any of the DC movies in what we call the Snyderverse. For he is their staunchest (laughs) defender. And he gets his feelings hurt if you don't like them. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, your friend, one of the nicest guys to ever grace the Goliverse with his presence, the great Dave Jones. What's happening, Dave? Hey, what's going on? This is me, and I am not a cat. Okay, I see what you did there. That's a good callback. Uh, 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 yeah. Judge, this, that'll be a that'll be a dated joke uh, in a couple of years if somebody ever listens to this. But and, and um, well, what what Dave is saying is he is live, and he's not a cat. <laughs> judge, judge, I'm live. Um, I promise you, I'm not a cat. And he had to be Southern, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's so great is, like, he had that cat filter dialed in because the eyes are moving down and everything, like, and it's just got a panicked look on its face. And <laughs> and he's just like, well, I'm ready to go if y'all are. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kitty's ready to do this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meow, Judge, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to... Meow, meow. Meow, defense rest, Judge. Meow, objection. Meow, meow. <laughs> I mean, somebody said to me, they said, man, I thought about what we used to do before the internet. And he said, and this video just made me realize what the internet's all about. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's like, it's like it's it's the kind of stuff the internet was made for. Forget you know, that and like the Bernie mittens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, just so putting him everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. just been it's just been great. But anyway, yes, I'm back, Steve. I don't think I've been on this show um proper, not counting a a um 
um, charity show. Right. Since we did the rewatch of season one of Stranger Things. Mm, that's been a bit. And Dave, yeah. let's be honest. Every show you're on is a charity show. Oh, I just went heel on Dave Jones. <laughs> well, I mean, if you just want to be honest, what okay. else is what else is new? <laughs> yes, it's it's like make and I don't. No, uh, careful now. Joke, but, yeah, careful like now. Make a wish, sort of. <laughs> careful now. Yeah, hmm. but make a podcaster. I think is what it is instead. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it's good to have you back. I mean, we talk on kind of on the reg a little bit here and there. We do, yeah. We, and I mean, we, and let's uh, be honest, since last you were on the show, you know, even the charity shows, um, you've had another child, or your wife has. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, Steve. Uh-oh. I announced Are we going number three? Show. Oh, I thought you were about to announce number three was on the way. <laughs> no. no, although it is that time of year. No. <laughs> That's true. The last time I was on your show, I announced to the podcast listeners out there, yeah, the Gulliver's, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. my wife was with child because we had just got back from Disney, and I had to explain, you know, why she couldn't ride such things, and I had to ride things like Slinky Dog and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I do have another child. Her name is Piper Amelia, and uh, she's awesome. Piper Amelia. And I do have a Roddy Piper onesie that she is in quite a bit. So All right. Um, but uh, Joy actually picked out the name Piper. It's from Charmed, hmm. the TV show. Yep. And I picked out Amelia for Amy Pond from uh, Doctor Who. Okay. So, so yep. but, but secretly what she doesn't know is, is, um, is you got the, you got two names in there. Absolutely. So that's right. <laughs> because you once you once you think you've got all the answers, Piper <laughs> Piper changes the questions. That's right, he does. Yes. He absolutely does. Yeah, man, this I guess we should kinda give an update on uh <laughs> You need to you need to have something on your phone ready that when that child gets to where she's walking. So whenever she comes walking around the corner, especially like once she gets to school age and everything, and she comes walking out of the you know bedroom bedhead wanting a bowl of cereal or something, you just fire up the. Well, it could even be like I'm dropping her off at school. Yes, and you know she gets out of the car and mm -hmm. like she's almost to the door, and I just crank it up right there. I tell you everybody. what, if you don't have her a skirt made out of that Piper tartan, you ain't a dad. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Now, let's just really quickly explain to everybody. We're talking about the wrestler Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper, God rest his soul. And, That's right. And uh, he has his own tartan that he that is decreed his own, and it's that just white stripe pattern um, on the, on a red field. So, yeah, he's, he's white crisscross uh, pattern. I do miss him. Like the podcast, everything was just. I don't know. He just seemed like he was having so much fun there yeah. in those last several years. Yep. Yep. And, uh, well, I mean, he was being Piper and he was working angles here and there. Yeah. You know, he was. I mean, some of the, the one of the best shows we ever did on Mark Out Loud, and I promise we won't talk wrestling forever, but was the Piper tribute episode, I think. Um, and you did a heck of a heck of a tribute kind of uh, audio there. And um, we just, you know, because it was so unexpected. I think I texted you and was like, man, did you hear about Piper? Or, or maybe you texted me. I can't remember. 
and one of us told the other one and we were just like man yeah yeah it was it was it was a big loss for sure but you know so glad you could come home geek out loud and turn everybody off ice getting going into wrestling but it's my fault no actually you know what you named your child piper not me so, yeah, yeah. Absolutely so, how's two parent life going, to, or two child life going? I mean, you guys went from a you know easy, easy mm-hmm. kind of double team to now your man to man coverage here. Yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's an adjustment. Um, there's a lot less time for uh, media for anything <laughs> for anything. <laughs> yeah, any kind of entertainment other than the Disney Channel. Yeah, and. Uh, Whatever I can sneak in there is is like I got my daughter watching this. Um, my oldest daughter, she's five. We watched the Star Wars uh, holiday um, Lego special mm-hmm. and laughed quite a bit. Good. And she had a good time watching it and stuff. So, you know, uh, just try to pick and choose what you can watch and when you can watch it. And you know, when it, when something big's coming out, you have to kind of set aside time weeks ahead. Right. <laughs> so you know, it's it's been an adjustment. <laughs> you know, oh, I see that uh, that that we're that that restaurants are opening again in a few weeks. Right. All right. right. Let's. Uh, baby, how's your uh, how's your calendar looking for? I don't know, December twenty twenty one. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So you're here's the thing. Like I had, you know, I I don't know where we're going on this show. As I said. And I don't expect you to take the wheel and drive, Dave. That's not your responsibility. But I also don't expect you to jerk the wheel out of my hand and throw me off into a ditch because I'm like, well, we'll talk WandaVision. Has Dave watched any of WandaVision? No. No, I haven't watched WandaVision. And then he threw his wife under the bus on that. Yeah, I did. And, and I mean, she knows. And um, yeah, She knows. You know, she knows what she did. She knows She knows what's happening. Yeah. Um, I do really want to watch it. I, you know... The format and everything sounds like something that would just be incredible to watch. I was a huge fan of um, Legion. I don't know if you ever got to watch that, Steve, but it was a it was a X Men kind of spinoff um, about Professor X's son. It came on FX, and it was just well, a very. I feel like that's a spoiler alert. What's that? When did they reveal that it's his son? Well, now this has been in the comics for years, right? Well, no, I don't know anything about the X Men. What do I know? Oh, sorry. Right now, <laughs> honestly, right now in the comics, they've just met Professor X's brother. That's where I'm at in my reading. Oh, well. Do you know who his brother hey, is? Uh, it's Marco, right? Yeah, Kane Marco, Juggernaut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did know that. I'm an X Men fan. I, you didn't watch the cartoon? Yeah, I did. I, I mean, here okay. and there. I mean, that was... Uh, by the time the cartoon was on, what was going on with me on Saturdays? I didn't get to tune in all the time. Gotcha. You know, that this was the day... Those were the days of one television and, you know, four right. or five kids running around the house, so... True. True. I mean, I, I have come to, like... You know, I, I've been listening to you and, and the guys from uh, Chewy's Cantina and whatever and, like all the collection talk and I'm just like, I got to get in on this, but it's just like, I've got to be disciplined enough with what I'm currently collecting. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you have to kind of figure it out along the way, especially with two now. And now we've, we've moved into a new house and yeah, 
in the in the move you get rid of some things and you know what i found steve is you put things in a box and you just pack it up and don't look at it and you go i'm taking this goodwill you know mm. um <laughs> so there was no, no dave i don't do that you no, do no, that I know you, don't. <laughs> Yo, I know you, you do that, that. <laughs> but uh yeah it's been it's been a adjustment to say the least um but uh, we do have uh, the Snyder Cut coming up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Th- which you kind of uh, said I was a big fan of what he did, and uh, you know, and I take on the world. And at one point in my life, I probably would have taken on everybody that would, you know, had something different to say. You know, about I it. guess there's an interesting question. First of all, Dave, you've you've said a lot, and I need you to slow down because okay. because there's two things that are happening right now. You do feel like you're trying to carry the show on your shoulders. I I get it. But Dave, trust me, I'm the Ric Flair of podcasting. We'll pull this thing out. Don't worry. Um, okay, well, listen, listen. This is my big comeback. All right, this is my. You know, I gotta oh. show the world what I have. Oh well, then we better, it's, we better, we better, we better sit down and do a planning session first, and then start <laughs> over because because I promise you, it's not going to be one of those. Um, but, <laughs> but first of all, what? So what have you narrowed down to as far as collecting goes? Just nothing. Baby diapers, no, pretty much. No, yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm been reading a lot of books. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm into the kind of the behind the scenes stuff on Star Wars at the moment. I've got the J.W. Rizzler um, Empire Strikes Back book. Oh, I thought you Jedi meant book. I thought you meant like the firing of people because you know they just don't have the same views as other people do. Well. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. This is a safe place to geek out. We don't want to make anyone mad. We don't That's want right. to alienate right. anyone in our audience by, you know, talking about how, um, how you know, it's all about girl power until the girl disagrees with you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. What you said. Right. <laughs> but I've been getting uh, books by him, especially, I feel like, are really, really well done. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Rensler making of the original trilogy are almost definitive works as far as like behind the scenes stuff goes for star Wars. And of course all those were written pre Disney era, you know? And so mm-hmm. there was a certain access and stuff that was given to him. Um, and, and it's really good stuff. <laughs> Scott. Says, yeah. And, and go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, Scott Rife in the chat says alienate. Well, <laughs> no, Scott, I will not alienate. I will just say, because that's what it's already been done to Gina Carano. She's been alienated. Right. So, How'd she well, find? Hey, did you hear how she found out she was fired? Uh, did she get a FedEx? Nope. Same way the rest of us did. Oh man! A tweet from yeah, Lucasfilm. That's, that's I mean that's that, Bischoff. That low. part of it's really yeah. That part of it's really kind of rough. I think, but right. I can't say I'm surprised. Um. Well, what I love is, is you know, you get a corporation like a huge corporation like that. It's stuff like that probably happens all the time. But oh, no, no, Dave, I'm sorry. I, I don't be taking up for the huge corporation right now. No, no I'm not taking. You up are. For Dave thinks I, that Gina I'm Carano not. deserved to be fired. He I hates. Absolutely do not. He hates women. He hates freedom of speech, and absolutely he hates. Don't. And quite frankly, he hates the Mandalorian. And uh, he no, hated. You're, you're out of your tree now. No, and he hated. Uh, he hated everything about the show. So, no, um, no, 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 no. Anyway, listen, listen, no, no, no. I agree with everything you said. I'm just saying. <clears throat> I wish I could say. 
compared to what we were just talking about, the access that Rensler had, right? Compared to what you might. Oh get yeah, now. yeah. You're not you're not going to get that now, and and right. That, and, and I just I don't know that something like this would have happened as the Lucasfilm that we knew growing up, or even up until a few years ago. You know, right, right. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, like that's that's kind of the idea. Now I am pulling out. By the way, um, according to Tenton, I have now pulled out. Uh, the Marvel Encyclopedia, the definitive guide for the characters mm-hmm. of the Marvel Universe. Now, this was updated and expanded uh, circa... Mm, let me see which version this is. I, this is not the newest one, um, but it's like the it's just before the last update. Uh, so, I, I think Adam Bray had some of the stuff in this. But anyhow, nice. Tenton says... I have to be that comic book guy. According to the Marvel Encyclopedia, authored by Adam Bray, Legion is Professor X's son. He first appeared in 1985. So I'm now, I'm in the L's actually, looking up Legion. There's Lightmaster um, from Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number one, uh, which had Tarantula on the cover. Uh, Legion. <clears throat> A reading... From the Marvel Encyclopedia. Maybe this is older than that. This is from the 70th anniversary, so this has been about 10 years ago, I guess. I don't know. Um, after an affair with Charles Xavier, see Professor X, Gabriel or Gabrielle Holler secretly gave birth to a son, David. David became a powerful mutant named Legion, but after a horrifying terrorist attack, he developed multiple personalities. After Xavier learned of David's existence, he helped his core persona reassert itself. David decided to change history by killing Magneto in the past, but he accidentally killed a younger version of his father instead. Oh, Lord. Bringing on the Age of Apocalypse, a.k.a. Earth-295. Bishop traveled into the past to restore the timeline by killing David, but it seems that Legion has recently returned. Um, First appearance, New Mutants, number 25, (coughs) March 1985. Mm. Yeah, and and listen, I I didn't know a lot about that character before the FX show came on, right? And um, I just wanted to just get whatever I could, so I ordered you know some of those issues, the New Mutants and whatnot, and read a lot about him. And uh, it's a fascinating character, you know. He's <clears throat> the show took some liberties here and there, but even what they did was really an interesting take. And, you know, there's all these different realities and yeah. it can get confusing for sure. Right. But it's, I don't know, it's, it, it, it fits into that X-Men storytelling, you know? Well, and I'm not, a, I'm not like a, I'm not a diehard X-Men fan, but they are my big thing in Marvel that I super enjoy. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm a big X-Men fan. Uh, uh, Sina- cinematically you okay you got that you all right mm-hmm. Dave? what happened yeah. just then what? <clears throat> well you know by the way everyone can check out uh the latest update of the marvel encyclopedia with entries by adam bray and you can go over to adambray.com and contact adam and he can send you an autographed copy uh you can buy it directly from him if he's got some in stock so uh reach out a book from him reach out to adam yeah good dude yeah big big times um so, oh, Dave, ah, the fact that you're an X-Men, cinematic X-Men fan. Okay. I, oh, you're killing me right now, Dave. All the things, that, all the things that we cannot talk about. I know. Or what's I killing know. me right now. So 
Well, a little bit of something may have gotten let out of the bag to me. Um, not specifics, but right, you know. <clears throat> so I'm well. I'm, okay, uh, real quickly, spoiler alert, everyone. What got let out of the bag to you? That someone from the X cinematic verse may have showed up on WandaVision, or there may be some reference or something. Okay. Do you know who or how? No, I mean I'm assuming there's some. I mean, dude, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I mean, I'm, I'm no, okay, listen. Here's here's here's. Let, let's give everyone this caveat, Dave. Good lord, you don't know who you you have heard that someone shows up. You haven't seen it, so you may be wrong. But my question is, and I'm saying spoiler alert to everyone who hasn't watched it. Who have you heard it is? Uh, I didn't hear who it was. I just okay, heard it was someone from the X. Okay, great. All right, then universe. we will not. Then we will not move any further into this conversation. Dang, okay. All right. I mean, given who Wanda is, I mean, there's there's a couple. I would assume there's a couple of people, but I won't. You know, I won't speculate further than okay. that. All right. Well, that's fine, Dave. I appreciate you not speculating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Anyway, anyway, um, to go back to J.W. Rensler, I, I did also, Steve, pick up the making of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith that he did. Right. Um, but the copy I got was like one of these um, library copies with the plastic. Oh, OK. Um, with like the, the dust jacket. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's really that's a really cool read. I haven't I don't know if he did the ones for Attack of the Clones or Phantom Menace, but um, he did not the revenge. The Revenge of the Sith one is really good. I so. think, and I could be wrong, Scott Rifen, uh, book historian, um, w- is in the chat. He would know if Rensler actually did one for any of the other prequels, but I don't think he did. Okay. I think Revenge of the Sith may have been the first one that he oh, okay. that he did something like that with, but I'm I could be I could be wrong. Um, seems like that was Duncan. You talking about who did the other two? Duncan, you've been talking about Man at Arms from He Man. What a name for somebody, huh? Duncan. Man at Arms. Duncan. Well, there was there was Duncan McLeod from uh, Highlander. Now, which one is he? He's the TV show. Version. He's the TV Adrian show Paul. version. Yeah. yeah. But now he's related to Connor McLeod. He is. He's like a distant kinsman. And they end up together in a movie at some point. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're originally they're in the pilot of the TV show together. And okay, then they do they do end up in Highlander Endgame? Endgame, that's right. And Duncan wins the whole deal. He does. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, Connor kind of gives it to him, but right. Uh, well, yeah, because I, I mean, I can't really, I can't really recommend those films. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. At that point, Connor's kind of done with things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, those are not good movies. So you can't. Um, the Highlander movies aren't good movies. The I would say the first one is pretty good, but you know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna recommend something from that era, I would recommend something like Escape from New York or something. I mean, like I can't, I don't know. Like I really loved Highlander for a long time, and it was a lot to do with the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's you know '90s cheese at its best, but um, you know the movies. I, Mm, I really say the first one's the only one I would probably seek out mm-hmm. if you're not like a diehard Highlander fan. So. But that's just my opinion. So. And I've seen them all. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Why? Okay, hold on a second. I'm trying to pull up the Justice League trailer here mm-hmm. so we could talk about this because I know you're stoked about it. 
I am. I want to get something that you're passionate about. And it's only given me, I, like, I'm trying to pull up with the closed caption on, and the closed caption are in Spanish. I can't understand mm. Spanish. Yeah. All right, let's, no, that's the official teaser. Where's the official trailer? You know what? Let's just go here. Here we go. All right. We're going to come over here. I have one question. I have the, my first question about this whole Justice League Snyder Cut trailer thing is, uh-huh. um, why is it in this weird aspect ratio? Why is it in a square instead of like cinematic ratio? Does Is there anyone who knows about the uh the the because tvs aren't made in squares anymore now are you saying it looks more like a full screen type thing or right like yes a, okay yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my understanding is that um and i could be wrong but i, I believe there was something to do with how much of the actual front like the way that he framed the shots yeah that so that you see more of the what he called the whole picture i guess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of what he was filming Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure if the movie's like that i'm not sure exactly what all's involved um but uh it was a choice i you know i'm so excited about the content yeah that i guess it doesn't really bother me all right riven says he shot it for imax aspect ratio maybe but on, on my tv though whenever like there's a few movies like the dark knight that'll go back and forth between some imax ratioed scenes and others and on my tv it like absolutely fills up the entire tv in imax ratio and then there's like the letterbox bars other during other scenes here it's giving me when i watch this on my television i get the letterbox bars on either side of the screen like literally it looks like a full it looks like your old school full size television, like you know, full screen or versus wide vision kind of thing. Right. So, you know, I don't maybe I look, y'all, Scott knows more than I do about stuff like this. So um Dave, I'm gonna pull this thing up and just kind of walk through it here a little bit. It opens up, I guess, back with that with the scene from Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. And, and this was the death. Of it's Superman. the death of Superman, but something's radiating out from him. Apparently, so this is this is when we get the voiceover from Lex from Lex that he's that he does. It's from the end of Batman v Superman, right? It is, yeah. When they're in the jail, so which is a great scene, I think. Well, really, um, yeah, yeah. With Batman about to brand him, yeah, he I think not to. I think it's a good. I think it's a good scene. But when I saw this in theaters and he started doing the ding, 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 like people started laughing. What were they laughing at? They were laughing at Lex Luthor. Oh. Because, you know, when he says the bell is rung or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I mean, yeah, you, I you know this movie backwards and forth. You were there on the day he shot it. Like you no. saw Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> make this decision. No, 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 no. Um, no, but I do know that there's a scene cut out where the police go to arrest Lex Luthor after um, the doomsday fight and everything. And when they go in there for a brief second, you can see him in the Kryptonian ship talking to Steppenwolf. Mm-hmm. I believe it's a deleted scene. I believe you can it find is. that. Yeah, somewhere it is. Yeah, that's a deleted scene. So part of me thought, I wonder if that would have been left in, if this would have been something that maybe people would 
it, it, you know, based on what you're telling me, if that audience would have connected the dots there, I'm not sure. Um, for me, I never, because I kind of knew where they were going or I felt like I knew where they were going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of thought, well, he's talking about dark side, obviously, you know, well, no, at least I, part of me thought he was talking. Dave, listen to me. I understand exactly what was happening in that scene. I get it. And I'm like you, I didn't laugh in that moment, but I'm telling you in the theater where I was, um, people did laugh when he started doing that. Like they found it funny. They didn't, they didn't think, Oh no, he's talking about dark side. They, they found it amusing in the same way that and people did they laugh at him. Did they laugh at his performance throughout the movie or no, no, just in that moment. Oh, okay. Just that moment. Right. It's a scene where you don't want him to laugh, Dave, is what I'm saying. Right. And I'm not here to talk well, bad about know. Batman I mean, v Superman. No, I know you're not. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if it's um, because there was a comedic aspect to what Eisenberg did with Lex Luthor in this interpretation. Um, Let me pull this up here. This is after he almost brands him and hits the wall. And then Lex turns around and Batman's gone. Let's not be wrong. He's hungry. He's found us. And he's coming! There's nothing comedic about that. There's nothing meant to be comedic about that, Dave. No, I didn't. I'm not saying it was meant to be comedic. I'm saying that the Lex was uh, a. <clears throat> okay, so when I when I saw this movie, one of the things that I noticed, and I'm not sure that you agreed with me. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly if we had talked about it, but was how Lex started off as this Zuckerberg type um, that slowly, slowly just became more unhinged or more of him was revealed throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So um, by the end, when he's doing this, and then they cut to the scene in his mansion where he's turned that painting upside down. Yeah. And, you know, there's all these, like, visual references to him kind of just getting more and more gone right that i feel like at this point um you know this is him fully gone almost i mean basically and i don't mean gone gone i just mean like gone into this lex luther you know away from the the tech you know right well dave you were giant yeah well you were there on the day of shooting and so what i'm saying is is like this is the that performance in that moment was a choice that he made, okay? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm telling you that the the general audience with which I watched that movie, where I when I saw that movie, people like laughed, and it wasn't like they were not laughing with the movie; they were laughing at him. Oh, is and, that what they were? Okay. And well, so I don't I don't know what to say about that. Exactly. I, that didn't happen to me. Well, I'm that, just telling you, I'm just telling you what I saw, and right. and and I I understand the progress. I understand. Dave, I understand the progression of Lex Luthor through this story, but thank you so much for describing it to me um, in such great detail. By the way, uh, well, <laughs> hey, you wanted you wanted passion, brother. <laughs> um, but what what I, I guess what I'm saying is is anyhow. So yeah, he starts with that. He's he's doing in this trailer at the beginning of this trailer that voiceover, 
And the destruction we see here on Themyscira, is that from Steppenwolf's attack? When he gets That's, the one part of the mother I, I box? Believe, yeah, I believe that is. I believe that's I believe that's part of what we did not see. I was going to say because theatrical cut, right? In the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, Dave. Bear with me. So in in the theatrical cut, I, see that's the thing is I don't remember that building getting destroyed in the theatrical cut. I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. That in the theatrical cut, if I remember correctly, um, it was. I think they were trying to outrun him, Steppenwolf. Yeah, they they pulled the mother box thing out of the out of the place, right? And, which may still happen. That may still right. Be, and so the whole um, battle was kind of a chase with them trying to get away from him, um, you know, and to protect that thing. So, and here what we see is that the destruction of that, which is something like I say that we didn't see in the. Um, in the theatricals cut at all. We did not see that building collapse. Yeah. And that is the temple, yeah. I guess, where um, where it happened. That's what I'm thinking, too. I mean, based on based on nothing but my memories of the last time I watched um, the theatrical cut, which has honestly been a, been a while. Oh, really? Been a while? Dave, been I, a while. I'm surprised. Well, I, my, I hope to be able to watch it before the, the Snyder Cut comes out. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind I kind of want to do that too. I don't, part of me kind of wants to maybe watch the Zack Snyder's Justice League and then maybe go back and watch both of them. You know, I did that when um, we got the Donner cut of Superman two, um, where now a lot of that I had seen because they played some of that on TV when we were kids. But um, I watched the DVD release when that came out and then I went back and watched, um, the Lester cut and then went back and watched the Donner cut and then kind of, you know, decided that there was some really good stuff in the Donner cut they should have kept. And then there were some choices that they made that I liked in the original. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, I don't have the love for the theatrical cut of justice league that, um, I did for the Lester cut of Superman too. Mm. You know, as a child. So now, see, that's interesting because when when we got the Justice League, I like it's not one of my favorite movies, superhero movies of all time. Mm-hmm. But it was, I to me, for me, it was kind of a breath of fresh air, you yeah. know, as, as to where we had been so far. Because, um, I I did not have the positive outlook on Batman v Superman that you had from the right. get go. Um, I've since watched it, you know, again, and I'm like, all right, I'm okay. But there's some cool stuff in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shaky cam is way toned down from what it was. Right. Um, I'd never had a problem. Here's the thing: in all of the Snyder DC movies, I I have not had a problem with any of the casting. Um, right. outside of maybe Ezra Miller's Flash, um. You know, I, I, I struggle with that character and the way he's portrayed in the film and mm-hmm. in Justice League. But um but you know, that, that's neither here nor there. When it comes to Batman v Superman, I, I just I didn't have the love for it that you did. And I wanted to, but what I saw in this was also something that's been going on, you know, for 
for years is people wanted Batman v Superman so bad they couldn't stand it. You know, this is one of those things we've clamored for for years and years and years and years and years. And unfortunately, um, you know, when you when you get to this point in, in, in history, they, they rushed. I feel like it just got rushed. You know, I feel like we, you know, I think there was, they took for granted that people knew, know Wonder Woman well enough to just throw her into this movie and everyone get pumped about it, you know? And I'm talking general audiences, not people like us. Um, I think that, you know, when I talk to people who are just kind of out in the general world, when you start talking about recasting Batman or having Batman again, there was, from the general audience, there was a little bit of Batman recasting fatigue, you know, mm-hmm. which I didn't have a problem with. It's like, all right, you know, this is Batman, you know, we, we got to do something new now. It, it's time. But, yeah. uh, you know, and I liked Affleck as Batman. I, I really did. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that this is something that they wanted and they pushed. And then, of course, they wanted to lean into the whole, you know, Dark Knight Returns um, motif, you know. And it's like, I don't know. There's just certain things that people want to do and have always wanted to do with these characters that they just finally got to do in Batman v Superman. You know, they finally got to kill Superman. And I'm like, we only spent like two movies with him at the, the end of this movie, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 I had a real problem with the quick turnaround on on the focus because up until that point the focus had been is Superman bad? Like you never heard anyone really defending Superman outside of his close friends, you know. And well, I've, go ahead. And so and then all of a sudden he dies and the world's like, oh, we love him so much. Well, and, and you know, and I, I don't want to be that guy, but you it, are. That's that's sort of what we do as society, isn't it? I mean, there's there's people who, you know, they'll die these tragic deaths who, you know, maybe they didn't mean a lot to. And I'm not saying, you know, Superman, obviously, but they're all of a sudden we're hero worshiping these people, you know, for for how I mean, how many times do you go on? And I'm not trying to say it's right or wrong. I'm just saying how many times do you go on Facebook or something and everybody's posting about this person and you're like, did this person really mean that much to these people? Maybe they did, and may, if they did, that's great. But, like, there's a certain element of uh, we like, we as a society, I don't, I don't necessarily mean myself or you, I just say we as a society like to uh, deconstruct people, deconstruct celebrities, deconstruct politicians, whatever it is. Uh, so I think what Snyder was going for here is a grounded version of what would happen if this man fell out of the sky and fought these other crazy people in this nine 11 type event, which was what happened at the end of man of steel basically. Um, and saved us. Well, a lot of people would blame him, right? A lot of people would, why'd you bring your war here? You know, which was the argument we've always heard from Lex Luthor, right? Like, you're bringing all this stuff down here. You know, I don't remember if there was something in Smallville like this, but, um, you know, all the kryptonite from Smallville came from Clark's ship, right? Well, you know, uh, yeah, but down, we did get that in, down. We did get that in, in Smallville because Clark was always blaming himself, if you recall. Right. You're right. So I think there's a certain element of like, what would our society really do if this, you know, 
whether it's a Christ figure or whether it's just some kind of um, super mensch, you know, that kind of thing. Like, what would our society do? Well, a lot of us would be like, wow, this is what we've been waiting on. You know, like this is, this is like a real life savior. This is a Christ figure or this is something. And then other people would be like, wow, what a phony man. He's an alien. Like, what do we know? You know, how do we know what he's brought down here? And I'm not saying that that's, you know, obviously you have to have interest in that kind of a story to be into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that's what he was going for in a way. Well, I, I mean, that's fine. I get that. And I think, and I think what Batman was doing was first of all, they were both being played by Lex, right? Lex was pushing, nudging them in the right direction. Batman was going down a dark path anyway, based on um, some unsaid things that were going on, you know, with him looking at the Robin costume, the things that Alfred was saying to him the entire movie. If you go back and watch, you know, the fever, good men get cruel, you know, all that stuff he's saying to Bruce the entire movie. Right. It's because he's realizing, you know, and then Batman even says himself, 20 years in Gotham, how many good guys are left? How many of them stay that way? You know, he's even reflecting on it himself. He's getting to the point where he's about to cross that line, you know? Right. So I think, you know, and then that's why I said at the end, when he doesn't brand Lex, it's this kind of character growth for him. Superman has died, given his life to save this world. You know, and and in a way showed how human he really was. Yeah, um, well, here here's the thing, and and I get all that, and I don't think you're mm-hmm. wrong in any of that, but I think you missed the point I was making. Is that honestly, Batman v Superman was too soon. That you know, and and you go back to what you're saying about society. Yeah, society does that. We will, you know, we'll. But what more or less what happens in society is is not we vilify someone their entire life and then are so sad to see them go. We just ignore people. Like, we get to a point where it's like, oh, yeah, they're there. And then they die, and it's like, oh, I was their biggest fan. I love them so much. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's kind of more what society, especially with the Internet culture today. I think yeah, if some, you. you know, I think someone is, is, here's what doesn't happen. Even if you have, you know, a fitty-fitty split on things, what you don't have is the person dies regardless of the reason they die, and all of a sudden there's a great monument built to them and a military funeral. You know, it's like... Well, you know, it, Batman has that dialogue where he talks about that, though, doesn't he? Like when they're on the camp farm, or when they're in Smallville, Barry and Clark, you know, he says, you know, I forgot exactly what he says, something cynical about, you know, they're burying an empty casket and all those people. And then Wonder Woman says, you know, let those people, that's how they, that's how they're choosing to remember him. Let them remember him, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying. I mean, I totally get it. So, Um, but, but my, I guess my overall point is, is I feel like they did the characters a disservice by rushing to do this big thing and and the emotional gut punch that, that I really wanted from a Batman v Superman type movie, and even a Death of Superman, wasn't there for me um, because I didn't I didn't get to spend enough time with these versions of the characters. Now, having said all that, Justice League, you know, the theatrical cut opens up with him talking to the two boys, and he's got the weird upper lip and everything, of course. But <laughs> I just I thought that was a great moment. I thought that some of the some of the cheesy lines, you know, that he delivers perfectly 
were were great. And it was just good to see that Superman back. I'm interested to see, you know, Superman in the black suit, Superman, you know, kind of more closer, more closer. Something that's a little more akin to maybe even the comic book return of Superman, um, you know, as far as just is he has he got his powers, you know, all this other stuff and and kind of see where they roll with it from there in this movie. But um but I just I feel like what happened, I just feel like everything went too fast. I feel like that, you know, and I know there was a lot of pressure because of the success of Marvel. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we've got these characters to be making billions of dollars. Why aren't they? But anyhow, um something that did get abandoned because the you know, because of Elf uh, not Elfman, um uh, what's the guy's name? Whedon taking over for Snyder. Um, you know, the whole Batman's vision and stuff in Batman v Superman right. that, that ended up getting left by the wayside, you know, yeah. like, like, like Luke's old lightsaber in the last Jedi. Um, and, 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 and so that's, that's back in this trailer. You know, we see Batman mm-hmm. walking out. He's got that trench coat look and everything. But we also see a little bit of Diana. She's in some ruins somewhere, right? And um, and and there's Darkseid, yeah, on the on the yeah. wall. And you don't, and I don't know if that's like they're on Themyscira. I don't know if that's something else, somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, right, exactly. It's well, it seems yeah. like it seems like we're and like we're Batman. It looks like we're back in that vision kind of thing that he had that dream. Mm-hmm. And so you mm-hmm. see the cityscape with the fire and everything. And the parademons and all, but then Wonder Woman. It may be, I don't know. I think this is more Olympus because you've got like some touristy guardrails out there. I've got it paused as she's standing out underneath the columns and everything. Um, there's like some old school bike rail guardrails there, you know, mm-hmm. um, like you used to get slammed into at wrestling matches. And um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know, I do. <laughs> Sting always hit those things when he tried to do a stinger he, splash on the outside. He sure did. Did Sting you know, ever hit a stinger splash on the outside? No, it was, never. It was that's a bad thing. It's kind of like flare coming off the top. That's right. It's just, it's just not a good thing. So anyway, but so yeah, so I, I'm I'm going to call that this is probably over in Greece somewhere. Yeah, that's a good. I mean, I think that's a good call. I think the the thing she sees on the wall. Um, which is the character of Darkseid drawn mm-hmm. into the wall or painted or whatever. Does anyone in the chat, does, so anyone who's, does anyone who's listening now um, had no, no Greek? Because I think these are Greek letters, and because the one side actually looks to spell out Darkseid. Um, oh, wow. I do think this is Greek, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can see, like, the, the D-A-R-K-C... Epsilon, uh, Lambda, whatever. Yeah, it's Dark Side. Um, and he's got what looks to be like a mother box working in front of him and everything. And then it cuts to what is apparently Apocalypse. And um, he's got, uh, it, there's Dark Side. And this is a picture. You sent me this picture the other day, the still shot of this Dark Side. Right, yeah. And um, I think my words were too much going on or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was. I was somewhat surprised of your reaction, um, but you said there was a lot going on in his costume. I believe is what you said. I can't remember exactly the words you said, but um, I was. I was just. I think I was just so happy to see Darkseid 
that um, I was not noticing the things you were noticing. Right. Um, yeah, Dave was so, so excited to see Dark Side. Here's the thing is is I feel like I've gotten burned so much in, in being excited mm-hmm. to see something, you know, um, mm-hmm. that that it was like, okay, what are we doing here now? And also... I, I let me. I'm I'm coming up here really quickly to find our 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 conversation. <laughs> okay. Because like at some point I decided I realized I'm like oh, now I'm going to mess with this guy. Um, yeah, which you did. So here is uh, here here it is. I said uh, a little decorated for dark side, isn't he? And you said it's a snippet like a teaser for the trailer. And I said and you said too decorated. And you're like too crisp or something. And I said decorated is the wrong word. His armor has too much texture. It looks like he's trying to be Egyptian or Apocalypse. And I didn't mean Apocalypse the planet. I mean Apocalypse the X-Men villain from the movie. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah. And, um, and then you said better than Apocalypse from X-Men, though. And even though I don't hate that movie, you had to follow that up. I had to make sure. I know you didn't hate that movie. You didn't hate X-Men Apocalypse. No. And, and, and then I said, and if he gets to talk and doesn't sound like Dr. Claw, I'm going to be ticked off. Because let me tell you something, that's dark. Dark side's voice is not, you know, Andre Brower or whoever, you know, from from one of these made for TV movies. Dark side's voice is. Um, well, wait a minute now, Steve, that's just your version of dark side's voice. Like, Dave, he needs to have a booming voice, right? Dave, he's he's not going to be Dr. Claw, right? Dave, there's no better version of dark side than than this. I'm just going to tell you right now. Meanwhile, back on Apocalypse. This is the mind probe, which I control with this panel. That's d- now, that's Desaad, not Dark Side. The personality of any living thing. Note what happens to your most aggressive guard dog. He's got him a big old guard dog. He's going to turn into a weenie. Let me get over here to where Dark Side talks. Now, that's Calabac. Silence, Calabac. As soon as I can penetrate the Hall of Justice, Wonder Woman will be our first victim. So see, that's Dark Side. <laughs> oh Lord! Because as soon as he's I through, as soon as he's through here, he's gonna be like, "I'll get you, Gadget." Next time, next time. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. so that's how Dark Side should sound. That's what I tell you. And then Dave. Takes it all personal and real. And he's like, I thought Andre Brown did a pretty good dark side for that Superman Batman Apocalypse movie. And then, and then he's I like, sent you the clip. Right. And I right. guarantee you didn't watch it. You didn't send me a clip. <laughs> I did, I thought. No, you I thought sent I said, me you sent me with. you sent me pictures. Oh. And okay. I sent you the uh the stuff uh or maybe you did send me a clip and I didn't watch. You're right. Exactly. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> And he didn't. And he didn't watch it. That's right. I, I knew he didn't. I knew it. <laughs> well, anyway. I got confused. I got confused about um, what I was watching there. Right. So, okay, hold on. Well, I, Dave, to to make you happy here, I will. Uh-huh. Let me see if I can pull this up now and and play this for everyone because I don't want anyone to feel like, you know, I just because I know sell your birthday doesn't mean I'm going to know sell your. Your YouTube clips. And so you say here, skip to what? About 122, I believe. Yeah. This is Supergirl fighting Darkseid. This is uh, 
an adaptation of an actual comic story from Batman Superman comics written by Jeff Loeb. Under my guidance, you could have become the most powerful being in the universe. Why? He sounds like Jon Stewart from the Justice League. Jon Stewart? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you ever watch the Justice League cartoon? I did, yeah. Yeah, Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern. Now, who played him in, in the Justice League cartoon? Do you remember? Who oh, played I, Dark Side? I don't remember who played him in the Justice League cartoon. Let's find yeah, out who voiced... Yeah, let's find out. Dark side in Justice League. I think he was also in Superman as well. Yeah. Um, so. Boy, that finale of Superman the Animated Series. You want to talk about some dark stuff. Ray. Uh, now, Ray Porter is actually doing him in. Oh, he's apparently going to be speaking um, in the Justice League movie. And Ray Porter is doing the voice. I don't know who Ray Porter is. No, I'm not familiar. I mean, I follow him. Michael Ironside. He was Michael Ironside did him in Justice League. Ah, very yeah. good. Lois Lane's mom. Very now, good. Tony Todd did him in the Apocalypse War, the movie from last year that came out. Ooh, um, I bet little, that's good. Yeah, now that's good. Tony Todd, that's the Candyman guy, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he also did him in Reign of Superman. I didn't realize he was in the Reign of Superman. Um, okay, I'll give it to Tony Todd. Do. I'll give it to Tony Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll get well, it. you know, I, I don't know. Did we find out who played him in Justice League? Yeah, or? Michael Ironside. Michael Ironside. Yeah, where have you been, Michael Dave? Ironside, Tony Todd. Yeah, no, I'm just trying. I was trying to recall Tony Todd, Michael Ironside. Why don't they get John Williams to do his voice? John Williams. I mean, not John Williams. Um, James Earl Jones. Yeah, John Williams. I chose Dark Side because I thought it would be a really interesting character. <laughs> I mean, I just thought, explore. wow, well, I guess he's taking up voice acting. Yeah, sure. yeah. No, J- James Earl Jones, you know, like, but anyhow. Because uh, well, you don't want him to be Vader. Sure you do. You want everyone to be uh, Vader. Listen. Texas Cowpatty right. says that does not sound like Phil Lamar. He did kind of sound like Phil Lamar. We can listen to Dr. Claw, but we didn't get to listen to the X-Men animated series theme song. <laughs> That's true. You sure didn't. And you never will. Okay, or Dave will just hum it for you because he knows how much I love people humming songs. Sorry. Oh, that's a pet peeve of mine if I've ever had one. You've done it. Not on purpose. Oh, okay. I mean, if I'm in a, it's one thing if I'm trying to entertain people on a podcast. Gotcha. But I don't sit around humming songs to myself. Mm -mm. Gotcha. I sure don't. If I get one stuck in my head, I, I try to get that bad boy out of there by listening to it as quickly as possible. Previously on X-Men. It was actually a really good theme song. Yeah. X-Men. <laughs> X-Men <laughs> X-Men
X-Men. Um, <laughs> that is a good theme song. That's better. I'll yeah. tell you this. That's better than that Spider-Man animated series theme song from the 90s. Oh, yeah. That song, that was... unfortunately, just wasn't good. Well, especially when you got the the great one from the 60s. Well, sure. And you know what's yeah. funny is of all those other 60s Marvel cartoons that they tried to make, you know, did not have good theme songs. Right. Like, you yeah. know, the Incredible Hulk one and everything. Dr. Oh, Banner, the... belted by Gamma Rays, turned into the Hulk. Ain't he unglamorous? <laughs> Stupid. And then there's... Captain America. When Captain America throws his mighty shield. Nah. I'm okay with that. Um, then you got Across the Rainbow Bridge of Asgard, where the flinting thunders roar. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't use that in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Honestly. I, yeah. Well, you know, are you about to dog on Ragnarok right now? No, I'm not going to. Okay, good. Um, because we don't have time to listen right now. We're going to anyhow. This dark side design, I just feel like it's too. I feel like, I feel like scaly armor is for the 2020s. What lighted, what lighted parts on armor were for the 2000s into the 2010s, which was what pouches were in the 90s. Well, my understanding is they were trying to make the alienness of Steppenwolf and. Dark side and whatnot um, line up with, and not exactly, but be similar to what they did with the Krypton stuff in Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. So that the alienness of, of whatever it is, the metal and stuff that they use for the weapons, all kind of has the same aesthetic on it. Yeah. Oh, so, so you're saying so like, so, like, it's all from the same culture and stuff, like what you're saying? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, because this I, doesn't look any. This, this stuff doesn't look Kryptonian at all. Even well, you were saying you were saying the the scaliness, of right? It all. Right. I mean, there, yeah. there was a lot of that in Man of Steel. I guess. Yeah. Of, yeah. That te- but that was more like a textured kind of material than than this. Right. But anyhow, no, I, I, yeah. the, but this yeah. does match up with kind of a little bit of what Steppenwolf has, and the new version of Steppenwolf has this same kind of thing, you know, going. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. behind him. This is what's interesting on on the left side on his on the left of the screen, I, I guess it's Desaad, you know, like that's Desaad, yeah. yeah. And then on the right, is that Granny Goodness? That's that's what everybody's saying, yeah, Granny Goodness. Because it's, it, it's not Big Barda, because she's no, with the was, new gods, right? Right, yeah, she's she's with the good ones. So we see um, we see a quick shot of Steppenwolf. Uh, bowing, but then we do see some of the stuff on Themyscira where he, they were running from him and fighting him and everything. And then we're getting quick cuts of Wonder Woman and Bruce and Aquaman and uh, Cyborg and Flash and just you know now it's a lot of quick cuts to Batmobiles and battles and that sort of thing. But we also get Alfred saying some stuff and they watch, they're looking at a hologram of Superman, you know, some footage, and we see the downtown or the bridge. It looks like maybe the London Bridge. I don't know. And it's got the big Superman banner across it. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, Lois um, looking up, more shots of stuff. But that looked like Darkseid slamming something down on the ground. At one point, I'm going to slow this bad boy down to about a 25% speed. Is that the shot that was in the original... The Hallelujah trailer where he had uh, the hammer. Yeah, yeah. Is that Dark Sun? Yeah. Because you got all these ships 
And this looks like it's not a vision. Maybe it's a flashback, but it's shirtless dark side. And I guess he's doing his best. Uh, doesn't really look like a hammer, but it looks like something else. He's just slamming down on the ground and causing an explosion. There's mm -hmm. that picture of Jonathan Kent, and you can see them putting Superman into the juicy stuff to bring him back to life, you know, in the background. We're getting some uh, some cyborg action. Wonder Woman going after a sword in the air. Flood coming through and Aquaman stopping it. Again, we're back on a... In Flash saving. I guess that's Iris, Iris West he's saving? Yeah, that's Iris. Mm -hmm. Okay. She was cut from the theatrical altogether. Yeah. I think. Well, I mean, for to do all this stuff, I mean, it really does have to be a four-hour movie, you know? Right. But a lot of action shots, and there's shirtless Superman headed into the Kent farm. But here comes a, here comes a callback, really, to Man of Steel, I guess, in some ways. Is we With see his flight. we see his fist on the ground. It looks mm -hmm. like it's more of like some devastated area with concrete and rebar and stuff. And you got the the stuff kind of going around him and he takes off and then there's cyborg taking off as well hand on the glass stepping wolf underwater a lot of action quick action shots and everything and um yeah some great rework shots there's superman that black busting out the heat vision mm -hmm. and then batman saying something i don't know let's turn it up just to hear how about that how about that? It has to. Zack Snyder's Justice League. We live in a society where honor is a distant Oh, memory. yeah, Joker. Isn't that right? Batman. And I guess that was kind of the big thing to come out of this that everyone was freaking out about was there was Joker. Mm -hmm. You know? And I don't know. What do you think? I'm interested to see what Jared Leto had, I, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming it's not a lot with him in it. Um, oh, sure. Based on the fact that this was shot just recently. Um, with, and I mean, recently within the last year or so. Right. But, um, you know, a lot of people didn't like, what they saw in Suicide Squad, I always said that I didn't see enough to really gauge any kind of performance. Right. My understanding was, is there was a ton of stuff that was cut from that movie with Joker. And, um, you know, there was a, there's a constant kind of battle between the studio and David Ayer about the Joker. And he wanted the Joker to be kind of the main villain. They wanted this other thing going on. Um, so there was a push and pull going on, which is, seems to be a thing that, um, happens with a lot of these, with a lot of the Warner brothers properties. Um, you know, you hear so much about, um, even, even up to, uh, Patty Jenkins having to fight for, uh, no man's land scene and wonder woman. And, yeah. Which was, I mean, um, blows my mind because that's like the best scene in that film. Yeah. Like well, you know, and it's it's a you know it's very much that Superman showing up to save Lois when she's falling in the helicopter thing. I mean that that it's very much that defining moment for the hero. Yeah, you know? and you've got to have that moment. You know, you yeah. you've got to have that. You know, it's not 
you're not going to get it from the mugging scene, you know. Right. Same like you didn't get it in. Look, I, I watched that mugging scene one where I'm like, well, somebody's watched Superman, and I was glad. That was a compliment to that film. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Patty Patty Jenkins, big fan of that film. In the same way, the opening of Wonder Woman 1984, I was like, somebody watched Superman 3. <laughs> That's true. That's so, very true. Um, by the way, yeah, Joe Perry, I forgot about that. Joe Perry was involved in some of the guitar work on that Spider-Man theme song, wasn't he? That's right. I forgot about that. I'll give you that. Look, I, I, the, 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 it is the guitar work in there fantastic? Sure it is. But as a theme song, I don't like it that much. I don't like the voices in the back, I guess. Yeah. I remember it just sounding very noisy. Right. Right. And, I'm, and listen, I'm a guy that listens to hard rock, you know, punk rock, all that, all that stuff. So noise doesn't Damn, bother smashing me. Smashing Pumpkins in hard rock. Yeah, Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Aerosmith did do the Spider-Man theme, you know, later on. Right. Well, the Ramones did. Right. That's true. So it was a, they did a really good performance. Was this on the original Spider-Man soundtrack? All right, Dave, I'm going to hit. <laughs> What's wrong? Just Steven Tyler. I don't know. Now, hold on now. What you No, gonna... no, no, no. Nothing. No, I don't know. I just think about him now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He it's looks kind of funny. He looks like an alien now. Yeah. He... I thought you were about to dog bizarre. on his vocals and stuff from back no, in the day. Of course not. Yeah. No, man. Absolutely not. No, I'm a great front sure. man. Steven Tyler is a, a wonderful front man. You know, yeah. for for evil rock and roll music, um, Ramon Spider Man. We'll do Ramon Spider Man real quick for you, Dave. Just to bring that back up real quick. I mean that's classic right there. Oh yeah, that's great stuff. Dave, I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull something out on you here now. Do you did, did you have did you ever play the PlayStation back in the day? What, what did you have video games as a child or a young man? I had the I had the first PlayStation. Right, right. And then the next thing I had was the GameCube. Okay. On the PlayStation, they had mm-hmm. I don't and I don't know if it was released for any other um 
uh, console back in the day. But there was a Spider-Man game um, based on the comic books back in the day. Now, oh, I can't find it. When was that? I think it would have been 1999, maybe? Did you ever play that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Sort of. It wasn't I remember something like that. Yeah, I don't. I the, didn't play it. And no. the thing is, it wasn't like the movie. It wasn't based on the movie. It wasn't based on you know. It was it was straight up comic book based Spider Man, and yeah. and you could go through and you know nowadays the graphics don't hold up at all, um, <laughs> of course. But like you know you. You fight all the Spider-Man villains. You go through like it seemed like back in the day an epic story, you know, because it's on PlayStation. Everything. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at some of these graphics. Can't even make out faces and stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, you have all the villains and everything. But there are also secrets hidden around about where you can, you know, you get new suits and everything else. And so like, you know, the menu screen, you go into the whole suit menu and everything it was, i mean like it was one of my favorite games on playstation back in the day um was that spider-man game because i'm sitting there playing i'm like well video games will never get any better than this right this because i'd played that sinister six spider-man game on nintendo and it was all right but it was nothing like this you're swinging through the city you know in 3d basically and um and and just you know there's every villain you could want to fight and you have to, you know, some of you have to beat certain ways and everything. So, anyone else play Did they that? Add Scorpion? Um, Black Cat would stop by occasionally. Yeah, the first boss was Rhino. I don't remember if the first bi- boss was Rhino, John Phillips. Um, I know it opens up at like the, at like a Dr. Octopus, Octavius lecture or something. Um, mm. But anyhow, yeah, it was, it was fun. I just, I dug it. So, anyway, that that's neither here nor there, I guess. That was a non sequitur. We were talking about the Justice League trailer. So, yeah, <laughs> I let I lost Dave there in the shot. No, no, I, you had. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, which brings me back to a conversation that comes up regularly on this show. Yeah. All right. Because we were for a minute there talking about Jared Leto's portrayal of the Joker. Yes. Of which, I'll be honest, from what I saw of him, not much of a fan. Right. Okay. Now, would it be fair to say you saw enough to make a comparison between him and another Joker? Or is it like, did you feel like I felt and just felt like we didn't see much at all? Like... Like, there's so much dialogue with Heath Ledger. There's so much dialogue with Joaquin Phoenix. There's so much dialogue with Jack Nicholson. I mean, like, it, it's that's one of the things. Never the rub Joker another is. man's rhubarb. Exactly. Yeah. You ever dance with the devil in pill? Stop you know. the presses. Who is that? Yeah. Vicky um, Vale. So I f- Vic, Vic, Vicky Vale. <laughs> so I, I feel like because there's nothing that quotable from. <laughs> Let me the tell you Jared what. Let me tell you what's going through Dave Jones' mind right now. 
Why did I want to come on this show again? No. <laughs> I always assume it's just because I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not cool anymore. Or uh, you're just like, no-selling my jokes right now. You're no-selling, you no-sold Bat Dance for crying out loud. I didn't hear Bat Dance. Back in the day? Oh, just now? Yeah, when I said yeah, stop no. the presses, who's that? And she goes, Vicky Vale. Vic, Vic, Vicky Vale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bat Dance. Sorry. Whatever, Dave. No-selling. I always, me. I do Party Man. You're... Are you doing this on purpose? That's every Prince song, if I'm being honest. Um, Well, that's the one at the end when he's riding through. Well, no, that's Trust at the end. Oh, okay. Party Man's the one. Party Man's uh, the one where the museum, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust is great, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was just kidding about it. Hubba, hubba, (laughs) hubba. Who loves, yeah, money, money, money. Hubba, hubba, hubba. Who do you love? <laughs> Where's Batman? He's at home washing his tights. Oh, that's great, man. I always thought it was so funny because I'm like, but he's not wearing tights. Because I was just yeah. a stupid kid. There it is. <laughs> and you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I'm going to say something. Here's my hot take for the night. The only reason I like Bat Dance was the the lines from the movie. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a Bat Dance. I liked Party. Was it Party Man and Trust? Yeah. And Purple Rain. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Party like it's nineteen ninety nine. All the hits. Yeah. Yeah. I I was not. I I did not like the flow of Bat Dance. Um, and I think I'm just one of the only. I'm I, here. I am to say it. Here I am to say, hush your mouth about the purple one. I was just kidding about Prince. All, all the stuff sound the same. I was just kidding. Um, yeah, no, it's he's tremendous. Musician. Oh gosh, he listen, he's crazy as a loon, but he he was he was talented as all get out. Absolutely. You know, my Absolutely. gosh, he could make a guitar talk. He's got a version of Crimson and Clover. Mm. Have you heard that? I haven't heard his version. No. Um. Well, you're about to, Dave. I've heard Joan Jets. Well, this is Prince. The purple one. This is Geek Out Loud, too, by the way. I mean, it's just chilling, you know? Listen. Oh, yeah. You hear how it's kind of making it talk a little bit? Are you ready to break it down, Dave? Now, of course, at the end, like he just breaks it down like only Prince can. That guitar starts talking to you and everything. Good night. Oh, he's amazing. 
incredible guitar play. That, no. I, I was thinking about his halftime show at the Super Bowl. The, you're talking about one um, of the greatest halftime shows ever? Oh, yeah. At the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he even covered one of my favorite bands, the Foo Fighters, that night. And I remember he played "Best of You" by the Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah, so cool. yeah. Because they play "Darling Nikki," right? Which is a Prince song, and I guess know, Michael so Jackson's he, uh, Super Bowl halftime was pretty good. Uh, what year was that? I don't remember? know, Dave. I don't. Was it ninety yeah, three? Was it nineteen ninety and three? Yeah, I think you're right. I remember you two did one that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And Bruce Springsteen's. Yes, yeah. It's good. Look, I I won't lie to you. Um, no, you know what? I got something confused. I was thinking VMAs. The opening act of the night, I think it was 99 VMAs. Um, it started with Kid Rock doing Ba With The Ba, had a big choir and everything, you know. And then about midway through, they, the wall bust down. And here comes Aerosmith. Oh boy! Doing "Walk This Way." Walk this way. And Run yeah. DMC's up in there spinning for Kid Rock all of a sudden, and it's just like, and it was just this great performance. That's cool. It was a cool performance. But here, Michael Jackson had this thing he was able to do as a performer, where he would just stand there and let the crowd absolutely go nuts, and he would just hold the pose. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever he was doing, he would just hold it and let people, and he would just, I just, to me, there's a certain air of charisma that he learned how to just stand there and no sell the crowd, basically, mm-hmm. you know, and make them wait for it. And then boom, give it to him. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was one of a kind really. Yeah. Weirdo, but and, a good performer. From performance. Yeah. 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 So anyhow, um, back Big to Star Wars fan. So. Yeah, yeah, wanted to be Jar Jar. <laughs> that's that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you hear this where he had uh, um, Carrie Fisher come over to his house one Christmas? I, I heard to Carrie eat Fisher dinner with his kids. Because I heard Carrie Fisher tell that story. Yeah. 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 It's what a bizarre Christmas that must have been. Hey, if she got paid, man, what you gonna do? That's true. The um, but no, have you heard Ahmed Best talk about meeting him? No, I have not. Okay, here's Ahmed Best, of course, Jar Jar, went to a Michael Jackson concert with George Lucas and Natalie Portman. Oh, my God. And George got them backstage to go meet Michael, of course, because of he's course George he Lucas. You know, he's like, well, let's, yeah, go, right. let's go meet Michael. And so cause they had, like, these box seats and everything, and they go and they, they're going to meet Michael. And so when he meets Michael, Michael's like, hey, George, how you doing? And he's like, hey, Michael, this is Ahmed. He's Jar Jar. And Michael goes, oh. And like Ahmed Best says, it was the most awkward thing ever because I could totally, I realized in that moment that Michael had apparently lobbied George for the role of Jar Jar Binks. Oh, my god! And then that's how he found out he didn't get the part. Oh, my right gosh. <laughs> Well, I guess it's better than finding out on social media that. You well, that's job, true. But. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But so. um, but anyhow, yeah, it that that's the thing. It's like, it's like, it, what a bizarre. Well, I mean, can we be honest about George Lucas? I love the man. I think he's a genius, but oh, I don't yeah, know that he's true. ever had very many social skills. Yeah, I think he lacks a little bit. I, I think he. Although lacks. he's never, you know, he's never. Uh, He's, he's never 
been one to be without a date or That's true. Uh, anything like that. So well, there's something there and you know got got some friends, Steven I'm, Spielberg. I mean look, I'm good with the ladies. Dave, yeah. I'm good with the ladies. The ladies love me. They love the beard. They love the flannel. I'm like, hey ladies, what you see is what you get. You know? They want now, me did to, you they want me to tell them stories because I'm so creative. They're like, George Tell me a story about this slice of pizza. And I'm like, well, it's not a slice of pizza. It's a big triangular ship that's floating through space, taking out a Dude, rebel. Did me and you talk about that time that um, Seth Rogen said he was in a meeting with George Lucas? No. And oh. um, I, I think, I think, um, I forgot who all was in it. Maybe Jason and them talked about it on uh, RFR, but there was something where George was explaining how they would all have to fly in a spaceship and leave Earth because the, I guess he was talking about global warming. <laughs> no, who was talking about global warming? <laughs> I guess George Lucas. Uh, it's really, uh, I'm really. And he was talking about how he was building a spaceship on Skywalker Ranch. I mean, and listen, like he was he was being like dead serious. But I mean, he was obviously kidding. But like Seth Rogen was. I mean, let's be honest. Was probably stoned out of his mind. Basically, <laughs> meeting. Basically, all of Skywalker Ranch is just a giant spaceship. Yeah. We're going. And to. he's like. <laughs> and he was like sitting there thinking, "Man, am I going to be flying to the moon with like George?" Where the the world's being destroyed by global warming and so we're going to just look look it's the most this is the this is the home of the most creative minds on the planet so i said these are the people who need to repopulate the new new earth seth are you with us i mean we need some bud how am i you 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 get all the best bud you know how to do it so Oh Look, I got gosh. four billion dollars. I can buy all the pot you want. Oh yeah, I sold I sold Star Wars to the white slavers. <laughs> oh man, poor George. All right, poor anyhow. George. Now, did you hear uh, one more thing about George? Did you oh. hear Francis Ford Coppola say he said something about you know because him and George Lucas he came along with it was them uh, Spielberg and I think Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese. They were kind of all contemporaries and uh he said that he you know likes that george was so successful with star wars but he also feels like there was a part of us that missed out on how creative george actually was because he would have done so many other projects mm. and you know and i don't know if he was referencing like how good american graffiti is or thx 1184 but <coughs> 1183 excuse me and but I mean he was basically saying you know George was a film genius film historian and all this he had some really nice things to say about him but uh, it made me wonder you know George George always said after he sold Star Wars he said he was going to make his own films and nobody would ever see them right and I'm like what is, I wonder if he's actually doing that like if he's just like he's got like a section on Skywalker Ranch like a big sound stage and he's just making these like experimental films yeah. And then when he dies or something, God God forbid, anytime soon. But you know, maybe we'll all see him at some point. I don't know. No, I put in my I put in my will. Don't release him. 
Why do I want people saying terrible things about me after I'm dead? Mm. I mean, you hated the prequels, so I was like, I'm retired. I'm done. Mm. I'm done with filmmaking. I, you know what? I well, don't put a lot of stock in anything Francis Ford Coppola says after he dogged the Marvel movies. No, so that hardcore. was was that him or was that Martin Scorsese? What's the difference? Oh come on! Come Steve. on, Steve! Don't, listen, come don't on! Don't get me going. All right, give me what's a Ford? What's a Coppola movie? The Godfather. All right, what's a Scorsese movie? Goodfellas. Same thing. In New York. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, Departed. Right, it's all these gangster stuff. They make the same ABA. movies, huh? They make the same movies. Let's be honest. No. Yes. No. Yes. I said it Dude. here. That's my second hot take tonight. Oh, that's a bad take. That's sir. a no. It's what we call a hot take. Aren't hot takes bad takes? Isn't that what that is? I don't know. Anyhow, yes. They all make the same movie. Come on. Yeah, that's. What true. about Spielberg? What do you think about him? Genius. Don't you think Spielberg's got like a, I don't know. He doesn't get a lot of praise these days, does he? Well, I mean, I think it's just like, who does get a lot of praise as a filmmaker these days? Well, certainly not Zack Snyder. Nope. Well, Zack Snyder, Snyder needs to earn it. Well, I told you the other day, though, he's on this, the way that he's covered and the way that like Michael Bay is covered. It's totally different. Well, in a way. Now, wait a minute, you, you. But here's the thing that you did there, and I and Dave. Right now, we're we're approaching same side, so don't get testy with me, okay? I know how you are. Okay. Um, you're putting Michael Bay and Zack Snyder on level ground right now. No, I'm not. Sure, I'm, saying, I'm using them as examples. Dave Jones said on this show, Michael Bay is oh, as good a filmmaker gosh. as Zack Snyder. No, I'm not saying that. Here's the thing. They both have their styles. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, Quentin Tarantino has his style. Right. Well, yeah. Mm. So, like, what is it about, you know what you're going to get, right? That's the thing. Like, when people ask me, were you disappointed with the last Star Trek movie that came out? And I'm like, no, I wasn't disappointed. Why not? And I said, because I knew what it was going to be, right? Like, you know what these things are. You go see a zombie movie, you know what it's going to be. So how could I possibly just, you put yourself in the mindset of what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's things that happen, and uh, I'm not going to name any names, Last Jedi, but, I mean, there's things that happen where you don't feel like it's part of what's been going on before or after that takes you out of things completely. But that's a, that's a dip to me. That's a different kind of uh, film sin, mm-hmm. but somebody not having a style. And I've always told you this when we would argue about man of steel or whatever, is I would say, if you don't like his style, then there's nothing to be said for it. Because if you don't like the style, you can't, you're probably taken out of the movie as soon as you're watching it. Right. Well, so what? there's no amount of me going, Steve, but this, Steve, but this. You yeah. Know. What is? Let's see. I guess. I guess the first thing I ever saw by him, at all, that mm-hmm. I know of, would have been Dawn of the Dead, the the Dawn of the Dead remake. Right. And I didn't that notice was his. Uh, that was his first film. Yeah. Okay, and I didn't notice anything. I mean, obviously. There were running zombies and that sort of thing in that movie, but like 
I I remember watching that and like <coughs> this is pretty cool, I guess, you know. But there yeah. was nothing like I don't I, like if I I don't know. It's I only watched it the one time, but I can't mm-hmm. imagine if I go back I'd be like, "Oh, that's a total Snyderism right there. That's a total Zack Snyder deal." Um um, I think some of the stuff's there, the okay. early shots, the the um, the montage at the beginning with okay. the Johnny Cash song. All right, all right. See, I don't remember uh, all of it. That's what I'm saying is like in my mind, I just remember it being pretty much a straightforward zombie movie. And that's I'm right. I'm, I'm relying on you right now, Dave, to to mm-hmm. draw some of that out for me. Um, yeah. Then 300 mm-hmm. would have been the next thing I saw, and 300 is where I definitely see. In the following films that I have seen, uh, i.e. Watchmen, uh, mm-hmm. even Man of Steel, Batman v. Superman, um, that he has this thing. I never saw Sucker Punch, um, and I never saw Legends of Guardians, the Owls of Gahoo, um, but that was animated. Ah, I right? love that movie. I, it looked cool. I just never saw it. Uh, understand me saying I've not saw not seen it is not me dogging on it. It's just I never saw it. No, I know. Okay, I, know. I would I would recommend that for sure. But he does this thing, and and this is what I guess I'm I, when I think of Zack Snyder's style, I think of what I saw in Three Hundred in Watchmen. Didn't see it so much in Man of Steel, but it was still there a little bit, especially in Batman v Superman. And it's this slow motion into fast motion thing. Mm-hmm. That he does this uh, I, normal speed or sped up, I guess, and and that was really, I mean, that was all over three hundred, you know, oh, yeah, and it, yeah. and it happened in Watchmen. He used the same kind of techniques in Watchmen, and so, th- so that's where I start thinking the Snyder style to me mm-hmm. um, is in is in that type of thing, and then of course he deals really heavily in a lot of orange shadings and stuff. It seems like. Um, Maybe not. Well, I guess a little bit. Even in in Watchmen, it was there. Um, you know, a lot of dusk, sundown kind of things. Going right. On. Um, and 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 it ended up being in at the end of Wonder Woman. You know, like there's always some kind of desolation and destruction in these superhero movies, and for whatever reason, the sky turns orange. Um, it's interesting that I believe that's the part Patty Jenkins told her told the studio really wanted in the film was that part at the end that she had to add on later Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean i i like i can't here's the thing i can't really speak to it but i just knew that to me that's when it became a Zack snyder movie was was her final battle with war yeah yeah Mm, i guess so i'm not dog again i'm not dogging it i'm just saying like i saw his fingerprints on it and he's a producer he is a producer well he came up with the story too right Right, exactly. Come up with the story, yeah. Right, it's a story. So, anyhow, so there's that. With with now, I want to go over to Michael Bay because Michael Bay's actually been at a little longer as far as like, you know, feature film. Not mm-hmm. much longer, but a little bit longer. When you go to Michael Bay, you know, Michael Bay doesn't have Michael Bay's all about like big cinematic, um, over the top, you know type shots and explosions, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, and he is, and he, and he doesn't apologize for it. Right. You know, that's what I love about Michael Bay is he's like, yeah, this, he this, is a, this is a movie. It's supposed to be over the top, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so like, but, and I guess he's got his moving camera stuff that he does as well, 
You know? Well, you know, and that was the thing with, um, was it The Last Night? Is that what it was? The last Transformers they did? That's right. What People were like, did you hate it? It was so terrible. And I was just like, dude, you've watched four films. Presumably, you've watched four Transformers films right. before what? this. And you thought, that what made you think this was going to be anything different? <laughs> what were, yeah, what were you surprised by? <laughs> yeah, there was nothing in that film that surprised me. Yeah, what, what was actually... What was actually the thing that shocked you? Yeah, I dare say that I liked it better than the fourth one. I did like it better than the fourth one. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you on that. I'm I'm on board with that. However, uh, rewatching the fourth one, um, it's got some beauty. That's the thing. Now, Michael Bay will get a beautiful shot of of whatever. I mean, like, he knows how to just be like, look at how pretty the world is through this lens. Well, Um, and and I think, I think, Zack Snyder can do the same. I think there's certain shots you can look at if you just look at screenshots, still shots from movies. Yeah, but you know what? I think the thing about the Zack Snyder stuff is, is like it always to me feels very fake. It 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 does mm. like you know. Whereas you know a, a Michael Bay cut's going to have maybe a lens flare or two in there. When Zack Snyder gets you know fires up whatever he's throwing down. To me, it always seems like, well, this is a fake. This is a blue screen. You know, hmm. this is this is one rock moved around in three different ways, which was very, you know, interesting way of doing things for 300. Like they basically used the same set and just rearranged it for right. different things. I mean, and that's not a criticism. That's like, that's very innovative, but right, on a blue yeah. screen. And that's what a lot of, a lot of Snyder stuff looks like to me, not like, Oh my gosh, it's George Lucas digital world, but it still has this look of like artificialness to it. Whereas mm-hmm. with Michael Bay, it's like, this guy just knows how to photograph things. You know, he knows how to get yeah. the camera and, and make a shot. Um, I, you, you threw Tarantino in there. So what would you say is a Tarantino style? Now, obviously I've talked about kind of, I guess the look and feel, and when Tarantino, though, to me, it's more about the style of the the story and the way the story gets laid out. A lot of times, I think. Well, there's that, but there's also shots. There's there's um, <clears throat> long shots with no t- with no cutaways, which is fine. I'm not, and he's certainly not the first to do that. Um, but the amalgamation of of that kind of style with the soundtracks with the dialogue, the snappy dialogue, right, right, right. Um, the way he shows on-screen violence. Yes, yep, yep. Very raw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would dare say more so than most films are going to do. And you know, for me, it's that's you know, you can probably watch a movie and within five minutes figure, oh yeah, this is a Tarantino movie, right? You know, now you. You may go, well, they're talking like they're in a Tarantino movie, <clears throat> but there's going to be something that's a little bit different, right? Right, right. So even if somebody's trying to copy his style or they just so happen to, you know, I don't want to say copy their style. Well, Tarantino. Inspired by him. Right. Tarantino also, they're also, each of these guys are really from right around, I guess Tarantino and Bay are closer in their timelines. As mm-hmm. far as their their big moves and stuff now, but uh, Quentin Tarantino, I, I need to be careful here because I don't want to speak out of school. But I feel like Quentin Tarantino didn't quite play, pay the dues 
that the same way that Michael Bay and even Zack Snyder did. When, yeah, I mean he he was uh, afford. I mean he was absolutely. Would he say like a self made self made in a lot never, of ways? Never yeah, never been never been part of the Directors Guild, any of that stuff. Um, and when you go back just, and look at Snyder's credits and Michael Bay's credits, there are a lot of short films, a lot mm-hmm. of videos, a lot of music videos in there. Music you videos, know? yep. And even more so with Michael Bay. Like Michael Bay yeah. is music video city. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so it it's really like Tarantino just he did he knew what he wanted to do and he just did it. And and he really yeah. comes from that, you know, that early to mid nineties independent film era mm-hmm. though as well. Kevin Smith, yeah, yeah Kevin Smith's that, right there. That whole yeah, that whole crew from from ninety one, ninety two ish to about ninety seven, ninety eight ish of just independent filmmakers when independent films were just blowing up. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of how he got his look and everything. Now, granted, Michael Bay gets hooked up with like a Jerry Bruckheimer as a producer, you know, and Bruckheimer, I feel like he and Michael Bay did some of the best movies of the nineties, you know, as far as action movies go, you know, because so give me an example, like the rock, or- the rock, um, uh, did, I think they did the rock and con air, um, mm-hmm. together Armageddon. Um, oh, that's right. Armageddon. Yeah. Let's see. Let me let me just come on down here, and sure. make sure I'm right on everything I've got here. Um, you know, of course, because Bruckheimer then gets pulled into the Touchstone thing and Disney kind of stuff. But The right. Rock, Con Air, Armageddon, Enemy of the State, which that wasn't a Michael uh, Bay yeah. movie, but he was a producer on there. Um, Bad Boys, you know. So the you know he and Michael Bay had I feel like a this this great little working relationship where I just feel like if you put Bruckheimer and Bay together to for for my taste it's gonna be gold, Jerry. Gold. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um I don't know Well and you, and you, and it's one of those things you know what you're gonna get, right? Yeah. And look and understand something. I am I feel like and and this is where you and I are a lot alike in some of our in some of our ideas and thoughts and feelings, Dave is I feel like I'm in very much the minority of I appreciate the way Michael Bay makes movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I, more than I appreciate the way Quentin Tarantino does, though I like some Quentin Tarantino stuff. I think that he has a, a unique way of storytelling, you know, that obviously he leans into pretty heavily. You know, um, I appreciate his throwbacks. I think I think that Tarantino works in a lot of ways almost as a as a neat cinema historian for a certain era of cinema right you know and 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 gives us a look at well this is what they used to do or this is how you know it used to be everything from your kung fu style movies to your grindhouse you know fodder to black exploitation you know with Jackie Brown to it's, I don't, you know, just to the, to almost like the a Westerns, the yeah. Western, almost to, and almost a Rat Pack style thing with Reservoir Dogs even going on there, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot more brutal than a Rat Pack movie, of course, you know, oh, yeah. um, but, but I, I just, I, I think that, you know, Bay gets a bad rap and, and, and I think you're saying the same thing about Zack Snyder getting a bad rap, yeah. but I, I think though that it's a little more heightened when you look at the Snyder stuff because 
Snyder just doesn't have the resume yet that my, that a Michael Bay does, you know? Right. <clears throat> so whereas Mike, but, but what is it about like, let's take a scene like, um, the one that everybody jokes about, which is the Martha scene. Right. I think that's a bad example because I think, I think that people who, who make fun of that don't get, don't get Batman to be honest with you. Right. So, <clears throat> all right, maybe that. Okay. So what is it about that, that everybody just jumps on and it becomes this like echo chamber of like, this guy ruined everything. Yeah. You know, we saw it happen with the prequels, right? Yeah. George yeah. Lucas ruined everything. Yep. And is it these characters that are larger than life? And that we've waited our whole lives to get to this Superman Batman movie, and it wasn't exactly what we wanted. So from now on, oh, he's ruined everything. Now, if you watch Man of Steel, there's several people's name on that. There's a lot of people's name on that movie. <laughs> there's Christopher Nolan's name. There's right. David Goyer's name. Yeah. But what, I know. guess my question is, where does the buck stop? You know. Well, I would I would assume the buck stops at Warner Brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, considering what we're about to do here, we're about to go back and see a whole, totally different movie, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder's Justice League versus just Justice League. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to compare. I mean, obviously Disney has their way about things, but I think the way we've seen some hiccups in what they've done with Star Wars so far mm -hmm. has, that's been going on at Warner Brothers for years, years and years and years and years. I mean, go back to the Donner cut, right? The Donner and Les, the well, Salkines and but, Richard Donner. Yeah, and but you, you know what? The, to, like the, the Tim Burton stuff and, 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 and the, um, um, who took over after Tim Burton left? Joel Schumacher. Schumacher. Right. Schumacher and the Burton stuff. And, right. You know, but, they don't know what they want. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I, but okay. So you know, you're you're breaking out several examples here, but I'm I'm going to say this: when you when it comes down to, let's talk about giving credit to people. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the original Superman, 1978 Superman, mm -hmm. who who gets the credit for that? Uh, Richard Donner. Right. We never look and say, well, the Sawkinds did this. Right. The Salkinds become the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, eventually. You know what I'm saying? Um, even though, you know, quite frankly, if you, if, if we were to, and I don't want Richard, I'm so scared Richard Donner will hear this and come kill me. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I, look, I love what Richard Donner did with Superman. I, I think mm -hmm. that, you know, I, I have no problem with it being the standard. Of, of superhero movies, you know, I, I think that that's a, there's a lot there to learn. I think there's a lot to look at and say, yeah, they missed the boat on this, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I also think that, you know, here's a guy that you hear his side of the story, you know, well, we weren't really told how much we had to spend, but then we're told we're over budget and we're told we got to do all this. We got to, you know, here's a guy that bit off more than he could chew when it's all said and done. Yeah, and and his and his attitude and the Salkinds' attitude completely, you know, clashed, and so now we blame the Salkinds for getting rid of Richard Donner, and so did all of the actors. To be fair, and so what we do is we lay the negative at the producers, but we lay the positive at the director. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, when it comes to what's interesting is when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe of today, really there's one director's name who gets thrown out there as being, you know, getting all this credit for kicking it off. And that's John Favreau. Right. He gets, and then after that, it's Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige, who is the, you know, basically exec producer on all this stuff. He's the driving force behind the scenes. But you have some great directors doing some great stuff with, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. When it comes to the Transformers movies, you don't hear, you know, DreamWorks, it's terrible to do this. You hear Michael Bay. Yeah. Um, well, and then you hear then you hear stuff like Steven Spielberg pick Michael Bay to do these movies. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he handpicked him, and that's Spielberg. I mean, you know, there's... There's well, nobody that doesn't know who Steven Spielberg is. And, and you know? Yeah, and and well, let's go to Spielberg. When you start talking to Indiana Jones, we go, oh, yeah, Lucas and Spielberg, Lucas and Spielberg. But the minute, you know, the minute people don't like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, well, that's George Lucas's fault. Exactly. You know. Um, well, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I feel like is happening with with Zack Snyder and he's just the latest example. But I guess you know? I guess my point overall though is Dave it's like he's the guy in the director's seat. He's driving that train. Mm-hmm. And then after Batman v Superman, you know, with the movies that he didn't work on now, well, with Wonder Woman, I don't guess he had his fingerprints on Aquaman at all or Shazam. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to you know the stuff he worked on you know, he was the guy in that director's chair, and that's and right. that's where we lay the fault at for things we don't like or things we do like. Right. So the question then becomes: Is the criticism legitimate or not? You know, and and I think that uh, on one hand, well, that's a you know, it's a subjective argument to make. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, there are some to me, in my opinion, and I guess it is subjective. There are some legit criticisms that have been thrown at Zack Snyder's way for the Absolutely. way for the way he's handled the properties, you know, the DC Universe properties and everything. And and one of those I think comes down more to the culture than to Zack Snyder though. And it's this and it's this thing that I think that permeates all of DC and I'm getting way off I'm getting way off the the reservation here so I need to shut up. But um no, no, I want to hear this. But well, I think that Snyder went tried to do what DC is trying to do now with all of its stuff you know, when it comes to movies or television you know and now even this animated stuff and that's try to make it all grown up mm-hmm. and and I get that I understand why you want to try to appeal to a you know more sophisticated audience um, but the minute you slap Superman on something you know you're you're fighting an uphill battle for that pal I, I think I also feel, I, I don't know if it's an adult audience. I mean I do feel like they may skew that way for sure. Well, Dave, have but you watched that like Harley Quinn was, cartoon that was on the DC animated? I didn't. I didn't watch that. No. Do you I'm know about, about it? I'm, so I'm strictly talking about what he was trying to do in those movies. Um, well, and was that's trying to create this mythological Clash of the Titans type um, superheroes or our new Greek gods type thing. Yeah, but here's the thing. that, And I guess where I'm coming from on that end would be this. That, to me, that is tired. Um, that is... 
But it wasn't tired, right? Yeah, we it had, was. We had no, nah, we had Superman Returns, and nobody, nobody wanted the sequel, right? Well, you and I, I may have wanted the I sequel, did. right? But I Dave, was fine with it. What What was the whole discussion in Superman Returns with Lex Luthor and Kitty on the boat about Prometheus? Right. So they'd already gone right. down that road of, of Lex well, Luthor looking at it as the I'm gods. Like this, right. I'm not saying, I'm not even necessarily saying it was new. I'm just saying on screen full on went that way, you know, Superman's Hercules or however you want to do it, I think was what he was aiming for in a way. Um, maybe some Arthurian legend mixed in there, but yeah. like, you know, with Superman Returns, all we heard was not enough action, not enough action, right? And then some people would say, well, there's too much action going on in Man of Steel, right? Well, okay, now you're getting into the fickleness of an audience. Well, I'm just, I'm just explaining another side of it. I'm just... Anyway, I don't want to get too all over the place. With well, it. what I, I guess, I guess you know, at, at some point, the point has to be... For me, and I and 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 I'm not dogging on anything. I'm I'm looking. Understand, I'm looking forward to seeing this cut of the Justice League. I think ultimately, it's a really interesting time to be a superhero fan when it comes mm. to the cinema because you have what Marvel Studios did, which has you know it, naturally what happened with Marvel Studios and the criticism that began to be leveled at it is naturally what's going to happen. Is oh, there's, every movie is the same, blah blah blah, yakety smackety, mm -hmm. blah blah. But you know, if you try to be too different from a superhero formula, making a superhero movie, then suddenly you've run up against something that, where it just doesn't work. You know, like the, something about it doesn't work for the masses. And regardless of what we want to say or think, these the studios and really these filmmakers should be trying to make movies, especially ones like this for everyone. And, oh, yeah, and definitely. I guess, and when I watch man of steel, I try to watch it anyway, honestly, I, it gets on my nerves so bad how much the camera moves around mm -hmm. when you're just standing still in, in that movie. And people are like, well, the same thing with Battlestar Galactica. I don't remember someone standing there like they're about to drop a camera on Battlestar Galactica, you know, as, as that show's going on, this this Man of Steel, you're standing in a room and there's just people standing there talking, and the camera is like doing backflips. Um, I just I don't get that, but regardless, the um, the thing that the difference to me in Man of Steel as now as I watch it and in superhero movies, even from you know, I hate to go to my dreaded childhood, but, you know, you go back to Superman, the movie. As a kid, that's one of those things that turned me on to comic books and superheroes that mm -hmm. stuck with me to this day. And and I don't think that Man of Steel does that for a child. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't say that blanketly. I would just say that maybe maybe what was trying to be done was, well, Marvel, you know, I don't even remember how many of their movies had come out at this point. Uh, um, with Man of Steel, with Batman v Superman, right? yeah. Um, by the time Man, when so did Man, Man of Steel, Steel come out? 2012. So by the time Man of Steel came out, we were getting to Avengers. Right. Yeah, it was, it was maybe, we were at Avengers. Maybe, 
he was trying something totally different tonally. Well, well, they were because how can how can you compete with Marvel, who's had umpteen number of films and have been building this audience, and they were going to get compared to Marvel no matter what. Well, Dave, so I, I'll, I would. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how you compete with Marvel on that. Marvel, at this point in their time, in their timeline, by the time Man of Steel is out, only has rights to Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, um, and and a few other like second tier characters. You're talking Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant Man. You know, um, th- there was no talk of Spider Man being in there. Hulk was is able to be in the Avengers movie, but to try to make another Hulk movie wasn't going to be a thing. DC has Superman, the most recognizable name in the world. Batman, everybody's favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it goes back to the whole idea of Marvel has characters. DC has legends, legends. And, and the fact that for years and years and years, They could not get a Superman movie off the ground, no pun intended. And when they finally do with Superman Returns, it's not well received because of the lack of action or or it's retreading the ground of Superman the movie or whatever the people's criticism was. But that movie made pretty good money. Brandon Routh was a fantastic Superman. It's like, give him another go. You know, let him him take take another run at it, you know. I, I agree. I mean... But uh, you know, and so then, so then, Man of Steel Steel comes along, and you know, the thing is, it's like at that point, here's the problem: at that point, your audiences are trained that tonally these superhero movies need to be one thing. It doesn't mean you can't have pathos. It doesn't mean you can't have gravitas and seriousness in it. You know, if you're going to do the Superman origin, there's some seriousness there, and there was a lot done well with Man of Steel. I love the take of Krypton. I love that stuff. I thought it was fantastic to flesh it out, to make it more than just this crystal palace kind of place and everything, and 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 to throw some imagination in there to see living creatures and water and, and sky and air and to see the different technology and everything. I thought it was fantastic. You know, um, I, I didn't mind Zod being the villain. I just, I didn't mind there being another origin story. There's so much I like about Man of Steel that I I love the ending. Like to me, like the ending was like I you know I, I said it like this when we when it first came out. For ten years on Smallville, we wanted Clark to put on the suit, and for two hours at Man of Steel, I wanted Superman to put on the glasses. You mm-hmm. know, and when so when Clark finally shows up at the planet, you know, and it's welcome to the planet. Amy Adams, who doesn't love Amy Adams, you know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so she's great. But but what felt you know, and I I don't know I. For me, the only thing that fell flat about Man of Steel is honestly, I just can't watch it because of, because I want the camera to stop moving. Mm. I want that shaky camera to calm down. And, I gotcha. And with with and then so then the next thing you do is Batman v Superman, and I just don't think that there's a familiarity enough with these characters that that it delivers the emotional weight that you want it to. Now for me, dude, I. I love Lex Luthor, like his whole plot. You know, I, I think it's mm-hmm. great. I think the moment where the senator's sitting there and she's she's saying, today is the day for truth. And mm-hmm. then she gets stumbled up and she looks at that jar and it says grandma's peach tea on it, you know. 
and she realizes what's going on. And and then just Superman standing there is the explosion, you know, in the in the wreckage of the explosion. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, it's heartbreaking. But at the same time, there's just there, there's a lot of things that disconnect with that movie based on the fact that I'm sorry, and I don't know. Maybe this doesn't lie at the feet of Snyder. You know, I maybe it is the studio. Maybe it is the fans who wanted to see the death of Superman for so long that I feel like we rushed it in this in this particular universe. They wanted to see Batman versus Superman. Or really, I didn't want to see Batman versus Superman. I wanted to see the world's finest. I wanted to see Batman team up with Superman, you know, before we ever get to Doomsday showing up. You know, but because we wanted to see it for so long, boom, there it is, you know. And then here for a little extra pepper, here comes the... Um, here comes the uh, here here comes Wonder Woman, and you know Dave Atterbury makes a great point. They didn't want to do another Batman origin. I get that. I don't think they needed to do another Batman origin, you know. But I don't know. I I guess what I'm saying, Dave, is is to me, yeah. I think I think these movies need a little more levity that's not so forced, because the mm. moments of joy and levity that there are before the theatrical cut of Justice League are all pretty forced, you know? Like, when people have to point to see Superman smiling the first time he flies, that's joy in this movie. That's the only time, you well, know? Well, yeah, but there's there's humor, too, and Perry White and stuff with Lois going on. I mean, like, the secondary, you know. Yeah. There's some there's some stuff. There's some other things going on. I mean, we talked, we talked about, early on, we talked about the casting in these films. Mm-hmm. And what one thing that I think Snyder and company do is um use their secondary characters really well you know perry is like you know and and god love jackie cooper man i mean really (laughs) but perry to me is just on a whole other level as perry white i mean i mean uh, lawrence fishburne to me is on a whole other level you know and and it's not i I won't necessarily compare it because it's apples oranges you know what i mean but it's you know how great is it that when you know, Clark's sitting there and he's like talking about crime wave and Gotham and, and, <laughs> and there he goes, crime wave and Gotham and other news, water wet, you know, like, yeah, he's got, he's got that gruff. He's got the gruff Perry white without being over the top yelling and everything. Right. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. yeah you know, Tex Calpatty says something pretty good here. He says, there is no Kevin Feige figure to keep the focus. Instead, studio heads grabbing for money. You know, Jeff Johns was supposed to kind of be doing that, you know, being the Kevin Feige of it all, I think. But I I just don't think that he had the clout that a Feige has at Marvel Studios. You know, I I think I don't think that's close. I I think think that's even close. I think that Warner Brothers has always had this issue with their superhero properties. Mm -hmm. I I think I agree with that. I don't know if they've always been ashamed of them, you know, since they've had them under their belt or what. But, you know. I mean, I honestly didn't. I don't think they cared about them before Marvel hit it big. Right, I agree with that. I mean, I think that's right. Maybe, I think too, that was maybe great. as far as a money grab, like they yeah. said, like Batman's hot. Let's make a sequel. Let's make yep. another sequel. Like, yep. no real plan, right? Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan took Batman, and you know, I don't know if he knew exactly where he was going to end up with Batman when he started Batman Begins, but those three films are definitely in their own universe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they build upon each other. Yeah. Yeah. To varying levels of success, I would argue. Um, but you know, I, I do think 
you know, the proof's in the pudding. They made a bunch of money. Yeah. Well, I, and, I you know, I, I just, I want to go back cause I got way off the rails and I don't know what I'm trying to, what the point I'm trying to make is I'm not trying to convince you these movies are bad. I think there's a lot to like about these movies. You brought yeah. up the Martha thing. I think the, Mar- I think if you know, Batman, the, the thing about Batman is, is he never got over his parents' death ever, ever, right. ever, you know? And so the minute he's there and, and Superman starts mentioning Martha, it's going to give him pause the same way Marvel fans that the minute Bucky gets mentioned by Crossbones in Civil War, um, that Cap loses his his uh, his focus, and Crossbones right. is able to you know pop a bomb, basically right. that kicks off the whole situation. So you yeah, know, I mean, I think like Batman was, you know, he's getting ready to kill Superman, right? You know, he he's you know, if there's a one percent chance, you know, I have to take it as absolute certainty that. You know, he could destroy, he could burn the whole place up if he wants to or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. However the dialogue goes with him and Alfred. But, you know, I, I, it's the point when he says, save Martha, and then Lois says, that's his mother's name. And it's like, oh, man, this guy actually has a family. I, you know, to me, he was just this alien. Right. You know? it, it suddenly and his humanized. his mother's name is Martha. Right. It's the suddenly. The first words in the beginning of the movie are Martha when, when right. Thomas Wayne gets killed. Right. So, right. And and so it humanizes Superman, and yes. it gives him common ground with Batman, you know. Right. And and it's just it's a situation where I totally get that, and I totally get that that would give Batman pause. And anyone who makes fun of that, like I say, I just think they don't understand the character of Batman. Yeah, it's kind of lazy to me. It's, I, it's one of those. The, okay, David you know. Adbury put in put my thoughts, I, I guess, into really good words here in the chat. He says, I'm excited for the concept of this new version of Justice League. It's just crazy in terms of movie history. You know, this will be the ultimate director's cut version. Pretty cool. And mm-hmm. that's true. Like, that, I think that's my thing with this more than anything else. This is going to be a really interesting exercise in, you know, what was meant, what, what one person meant it to be versus what ended up being there. The fact right. that Snyder actually got to do reshoots and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. is is a big deal, um, and and uh, you know, regardless of of your feelings toward his his outings with DC prior to this, the very fact that this is happening is is a really really unique special thing in oh, terms yeah. of of cinematic superhero filmmaking. Um, it, the equivalent yeah, I mean, the, to this on the Marvel side of things would be get to see Edgar Wright's version of Ant-Man. Right. You know. Right. Um, and another way to look at it would be to see, you know, it's a rumor, but what what did J.J. Abrams really want Rise of Skywalker to be? Right. I mean, do you yeah. remember after that came out, Simon Pegg, all these people oh, were yeah. dropping these little hints. Yeah. That yeah. there was just tons of stuff shot that wasn't used. Yeah. Well, Matt Smith was supposed to have been in it. Yeah. You know. So, you know, again, JJ's the lightning rod, and you're right, he's the director. You're supposed to look at the director. But how often do these directors lose these battles and we never know nothing about? Well, there, here, 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 in this case, we know everything. I mean, you know, Snyder's, you know, by looking at what's going to be presented, we're going to know everything. Yeah. I mean, in a way. Yeah. You know, so. well, you know, I go back to. I can, you know, obviously Blade Runner is one that's been toyed with and tinkered with and mm-hmm. have, has a thousand cuts released. Um, Highlander 2 
had the whole road cut, you know, release to right. go back to the Highlander thing. Didn't they just right. try to make it so they're not aliens in that? Isn't that what they... Yeah, they made it more like an ancient uh, advanced... I don't know how you do this, but it's an ancient advanced... Right, right. Um, humans, basically. Yeah. I don't know. But then, civilization. But then, like, to me, in modern times, the closest thing to anything like this that I, that I recall and really appreciated seeing the vast differences was the actual director's cut of Daredevil. Another, mm, another yeah. ben, Affleck mo- ben Affleck movie. That, right. The director's cut changes that movie in so many ways. It just yeah. it adds to it, and it makes it make so much more sense when uh, when when different things happen because there's just the simple through line of a B story um, that's able to get played out um, throughout that movie, and and once it all comes to fruition, it makes sense that Daredevil is at the Kingpin's penthouse. And he says mm-hmm. the words out on the kingpin. Well, how did you know? Well, because of this other B story that's played out, you know, with right. Ben Ulrich and everything else. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be pretty cool. I don't know that it'll let, be a better movie in per se. Well, let me ask you this: the four hour runtime. Yeah, I've, I've heard people say that's crazy. And and dude, I went back and forth with people about this when The Irishman was released on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's three and a half hours. Yeah. It's like, dude, you can pause the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, you okay. don't have to sit and watch it, though, in one setting. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So this this idea that four hours is too long, I think, is ludicrous. Yeah. I wonder I if mean, these people I wonder if these people picked up the extended versions of um of the Lord of the Rings back in the Exactly. Day. Exactly. I know I did. I loved so. it. I love the extended version. I do too. I love I love planning a night and going, you know what? We're going to watch Fellowship of the Ring tonight. And that's our night. Yeah. Know? Yep. Uh, well, I also, that I, much I, anymore. No, no, no. I also like the way those discs were arranged. If you wanted to watch them, you could actually do eight movies because like they would cut off at the middle, you know, and have to change the mm-hmm. disc. And so it that's always, right. and, and usually it'd be on a nice cliffhanger, a good point of ending. Um, yes. You know, where it's kind of a natural place to have to change over. So yeah, Pippin's like, where are we going? Yeah, and then it cuts off. Yeah, Rivendell. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. You know, the one I remember best is like on Return of the King when they're coming with the whole battering ram thing. Oh yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. wolf. The what did he call it? Anyhow. Um. So anyhow, so we've oh, covered. Listen, I love Lord of the Rings. Everybody, we've so. covered a lot of ground in this episode tonight. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you straight up, we've talked a lot of Justice League stuff. I get that, but we played the X Men animated theme song. We played the Spider-Man animated theme song. We played the Ramones version. We played a little bit of the Aerosmith version. Um, we talked superhero philosophy. You know, we talked Gina Carano getting fired un- unjustly, but we didn't want to bring that up. J.W. Rensler. Yeah, J.W. Rensler got a shout-out. Adam Bray got a shout-out. Mm-hmm. Um, we There was a reading from the Marvel Encyclopedia. So, For yeah. Legion, yep. This, this turned out... Uh, the A team taught me that having a plan is a good thing. At least the idea of a finished product seems good. Maybe, just maybe, though, it's easier and more cost effective for publishers to reboot slash edit and, and get paid again for work already performed. Maybe so, Tenton. That's you know, That's I do love point. it when a, I do love it when a plan comes together. Um, before we before we get out of here, Dave, I want to mm-hmm. I want to commend to the people uh, one or two things here. Um, one, you turned me on to Pluto TV. Yes. 
And um, the reason being is because they've got a lot of like classic, classic Doctor Who on that mess. Yes. And um, and and one of the joys of my life, not I haven't done it in a while, in a, in a couple of weeks, but one of the joys of my life has been late at night just to flip down to that classic Doctor Who channel, mm-hmm. and uh, and just kind of pick up wherever it is in the story, and just see oh, yeah. and see if I can figure out what's going on. Because <laughs> <laughs> those old Doctor Who stories were like. You know, the the toy soldiers part the eight. You know, like, oh, good yeah, lord! Man. You know, it's, it, it's it's listen. The effects were what they were. Sometimes the writing is pretty good though, mm-hmm. and the acting is really good depending on who the doctor is. And, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, you know. I don't care about the effects. Like I don't expect effects from a TV show in the seventies, you know, or eighties even to be great, right. to be stellar. I, you know, that's that's never a problem. What was really there was a Santarin on one of these things that I turned mm-hmm. on. And I'm like, I knew immediately it was supposed to be a Santar, and I'm like, but good lord, this is the difference between the Klingons and the in the original Star Trek series and the movies, you know? The, yeah. That, the difference yeah, is those, so stark. I'm like, good those, night. Those original ones looked really bizarre. Yeah. I mean, especially when you go back now. Yeah, yeah. especially when you look at the the newer ones. It's like good. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm like, is what is going on here? And I, I thought you'd be proud of me for my Klingon reference. Um, I'm very proud of you. Yeah. I didn't want to bring attention to it because I didn't want it to then be like, "Here's Dave trying yeah. to get this to be a Star Trek podcast." Well, I know so. how you, I know how you roll. The minute you bring up Star <laughs> Trek, you're like, "Oh, well, Steve, have you watched blah blah blah?" Yeah, just blah blah. Well, no, well, I haven't. Speaking Dave. of uh, speaking of Pluto TV, Steve, yeah. there is a Star Trek channel that plays nothing but Next Generation all the time, and I skip right by it every time I'm scrolling down. <laughs> so. Well, there's also a Bob Ross channel. Yeah. There you sure can watch is. him paint. There's have American some. Gladiators channel. You can have those clouds wherever you want them. It's your world. You That's just right. Wherever you where they want them to go. Johnny Carson. I mean, there's dude, yeah. It's anything it's you really can think yeah. Of. It's well, not really, um, not really anything I can think of. But there it is. Well, it is a neat service and it's free. The other yes. thing, and I've mentioned this on other shows before. You know, Dave, we're we're in a we're in a binge watch society. Mm-hmm. What's amazing and what's well not amazing. What's great about these old TV shows? Sometimes you go and watch is they were not made for binge watching. Agreed. Um, the Incredible Hulk TV series, right, is one that every two or three nights, once a week, you know, just I will fire up the NBC app, not the Peacock app, but the NBC app, mm-hmm. and 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 it's got commercials and stuff in it. But I mean, the commercial breaks come at the right time and all. And I yeah. watched that, and I'm telling you, that show was so good. Oh yeah, you know, like it really, really was. And um, well, it, and and Bixby, I mean, the acting is just yeah. I mean, people say whatever, but he's really good. He David, is. I think he is. I mean, there, there's a lot of heart, and and yeah. uh, and and so I just want to encourage everyone. You know, I know that we've gone through this whole pandemic and everything, and I know that we are all geared toward. Um, binging stuff. Now, my wife cannot stand these Disney shows on Disney Plus because we only get a 30-minute, 40-minute show once a week, and then she's got to wait right. for the next one the whole week. And I absolutely love it. I love the anticipation that's been built. I love coming out of this binge-watching fog that I've been in for so long, thinking that's the way you got to watch TV and remembering, you know, there is something to the anticipation of next week, you know, um, that's that's how I felt watching Picard. It took, and, and listen, there's some criticism there, but 
halfway through this, it became the criticism famous. is you admitted you're watching Picard. <laughs> it was here number well, one. Halfway through the Picard show, you know, I realized me and my wife set aside the same time every week to watch that thing. And it became a thing we did together every mm-hmm. week. And I thought to myself, this must be how people used to watch Star Trek back in the day or Battlestar back in the day, whatever. When you couldn't, there was nothing else. There was no, you know, there was no yeah. binging to yeah. watch. Yeah, man. Don't you yeah. remember back when we were kids and it'd be like, you know, it was Duke's a Hazard Night or it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, or 18, it was 18 yeah. Night. Yeah, you know, like it, you knew that was appointment television and absolutely. And it's just something. So Quantum I, leap. look, I would say to everyone, find you some shows in these, especially these older shows and don't binge watch them. Don't watch one episode right. into the next, but, but watch it and give it a day or two and then go back and watch the next episode and just, you know, rediscover some joy of anticipation with some of this stuff. Um, yeah, we, we did that with Monk. I think last year mm-hmm. we would watch an episode here and there. Monk. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so much fun because they're open and closed. You know, there's no like you were saying, there's no reason. I mean, every now and then you might get a two parter, but for the most part, it's going to be. Yeah. All right. For this 45 minutes, I get to have this adventure in this world. So, yep, yep. Yep. So, uh, Dave, I can't wait till you get to watch WandaVision. You have to come on and talk it with us. And and you cut out half of my legs from me to talk WandaVision this go around. But that's fine. That's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, that's fine. That's okay. Dave I'm is, really sorry. Dave is active on Twitter and he's very nice at the Dave M. Jones on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear from you at geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. If you want to support the shows, the best way to do that is by using the Amazon links that you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Every time you click through those links to Amazon, it helps us out. We've got a deal coming up with Amazon Music where if you haven't tried out Amazon Music, uh, you can get you a free trial. Uh, we'll give you details on that soon. Um, but I, Amazon Music really has become my platform of choice for for finding and streaming music and stuff. And so uh, we encourage you to check that out. But um, we we thank you for listening. If you want to support the shows via Patreon, you're welcome to do so. Patreon.com slash geek out loud. And uh, we, every year we say the same thing. We're going to try to make that more and more special. But I'm a loser when it comes to that stuff. So, But if you want to support the shows that way, uh, we, we welcome you doing that. Geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Geekoutonline.com slash group. We'll get you to the Facebook group. Geekoutonline.com slash cantina. We'll take you to Chewy's Cantina, the collecting group we're all a part of on Facebook and having a great time over there. Meeting people, showing off collections, um, and maybe even finding a deal or two every now and again at some of these sales they do. So... Uh, that's going to wrap it up for Dave Jones for myself I'm Steve Glosson and uh, stick around with us next time because I'm sure on the next Geek Out Loud we will be talking WandaVision probably in its entirety so until then I'm Steve that's been Dave and we'll see you on the next Geek Out Loud have a good one everybody Steve. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Thanks, Texas Cowboy. We'll see everyone.